Psalms 127. We're in a series, as you know, called Happy Together, talking about relationships of life. And what we're really aiming at is how to build godly relationships. Today, I want to go in a little different direction than where we've been because I want to talk to you today about parenting. How many parents do we have in the house? All right. How many grandparents do we have in the house? Do it this way. Don't you love being a grandparent? I mean, being a grandparents are awesome. You can love them and nurture them. And when they start screaming and they poop their diapers, you just send them home and forget about it. You know, I love being a grandparent. You know, you turn it over to the kids because it's their turn. Is it, is it okay to say that in church, what I said about diapers? I hope it's okay. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. So uh, the, I want to talk about parenting today. And before I get into what I want to share, just let me set this up today. When it comes to relationships, the Bible tends to give us a structure or a skeleton. And God doesn't give us all the little details of how we do everything because every person is different. Therefore, every marriage is different. Every home is different. Every child is unique and different. Every home atmosphere is different. And as a result, God gives us a structure. He gives us an outline, a skeleton, if you will, of how we can function in our relationships. And then he allows us the privilege of working out the details as it fits our personalities and the people in those relationships. It's true of all of our relationships in life. But today, I want to share four thoughts or four principles about parenting that I think are really important. Parenting is an extremely important responsibility. It's also an extremely difficult responsibility. I'm going to tell you, being a grandparent is so much easier than being a parent. It's so much easier. We get the good stuff. But here, here's the thing. The four things I'm going to share with you today, I promise you, they're from God's Word. If we will apply these things to our families, our homes, we as parents... If we will apply these things to our parenting styles and let them be the structure, the skeleton for our parenting, I promise you it will help us and make our job so much easier in raising children. Now, I, I want to throw in one more little tidbit before I get into my message. Our society today, as time goes by, less and less do we value truth. Our society today doesn't value truth the way it once did. It's true in relationships. When I've been teaching on relationships, you know, I'm a feeler. Some of you don't know what that means. I can feel the atmosphere. And when I'm preaching and you're with me, I can feel it. When I'm preaching and some of you are like, eh, I don't like that. I can feel it up here. How many like what I've said so far? Okay. A couple of you didn't like that because I felt it. Okay. I'm a sensitive guy. Okay. So get with me. But, but here, here's the point I want to make. Everything in life today, everything in our society, everything gets spun. You spin everything. Every story. You go to court and attorneys spin the stories. Uh, you hear the news. I mean, every news outlet has its agenda and everything gets spun from there. Politicians spin everything. Everything today gets spun because we don't value truth the way we once did. The problem is when it comes to life, if we don't value the truth of God's word, we're going to go down paths that are not going to be productive. And it's true of parenting as well. So let me dive into these four things. Look at Psalms 127. 
verses number three and four. Let's read them. Here's what it says, verse three. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Verse four. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Now, let me back up to that first verse we read, verse 3. It says, children are a heritage of the Lord. If you look in the original writings, what it literally says is, children are inherited from the Lord. Children are inherited from the Lord. Now, I want to take this first thought today. And I want you to stop and realize, children are inherited from God. How many of you believe God created the first man and woman, Adam and Eve? You believe that? Okay. How many believe that God is still the giver of life? God is still the one who's creating. Our, we, we've been given the physical ability to produce children, but God is still the one who gives life. God is the creator. So out of that, when we conceive children and we give birth to children and children come into our families and they're there with that vibrant life that God gives them, number one, we need to understand that children are inherited from God. Children are inherited from God. Without God giving them life, they would not have life. Now, having said that, it, it sets some things up. Where do children come from? They come from God. When life is over, where are children going back to? They're going back to God. When you stop and consider this for a moment, it begins to give you a different perspective on being a parent. You know, I know a lot of parents who never think through the lifetime of their children as they're raising them. Never give thought to what's going on. They're just kind of lost in life and they're so busy with so many things, they don't have time to think it through. But when children come into our lives... We inherit this precious piece of living clay that comes from God. And then the work of molding begins, molding that little life, helping that little baby become what God created him or her to be. And, and the truth is, children come without instruction manuals. Not that any dads would read it anyway, of course, but moms would. But children don't come with instruction. So we have this amazingly difficult job. But let me just share some things based on this one thought. If children are inherited from God, I think we need to understand today that parents have a responsibility to raise their children as if they are inherited from God. We as parents have the responsibility to raise our children as if they've been sent to us and passed on to us from God, knowing they come from God, they're returning back to God. It is my responsibility to raise that child. All the decisions that I make in life concerning that child takes eternity into consideration because I've inherited them from God. As a matter of fact, let me take it one step further. Parents, we will answer to God for the way that we raise our children. There's a responsibility that comes with it. You know, whatever we do child dedication, and we do it a couple times a year, two or three times a year. When we do child dedication, we always have the front of the auditorium pretty much from side to side is covered with parents and children. And I almost always tell the story of Hannah. 
how Hannah prayed to God and said, God, if you'll open my womb and give me a son, I will give him back to you all the days of your life. I love that story. Because really it's a picture of what child dedication is. Child dedication is really parent dedication. It's parents saying, I realize that this child is inherited from God and I'm going to raise them in such a way that God would be pleased with what they become. Because the truth of the matter is, to a great extent, children are going to become what they are raised to become. To a great extent. Now, I know, I know there are exceptions, so, okay, stay with me. Don't, don't exit me right here. Stay with me. So we need to understand with this responsibility that we need to look to God and ask God to be a partner with us in raising our children. How many of you think God's concerned about your children? If they're inherited from God, did you ever stop to realize that they're God's kids too? He's passed them to us. And, and sometimes we can get so overwhelmed with the responsibilities of being parents and the responsibilities of life and taking care of all these things that we miss some things that we need to be watching as parents. One of the things is we need to make God a partner with us in the business of raising our children and learn how to put our children in God's hands. Which means if I'm willing to give my children back to God, from the time they're born, or maybe today you've never done that, but today you're making a decision, I'm going to do my best to raise my child to know God and be the, the offspring of God. If you take that responsibility seriously, then it turns us in such a way where we realize I have my responsibility and then God has his responsibility. What I cannot do, God can do. When I don't know what to do, God knows exactly what to do become partners with this and you know children that fourth verse we read children become an amazing blessing it says they're like arrows in the hand of a warrior if children are raised correctly they become amazing blessings if we don't raise them correctly they become major challenges to us you know i remember when my boys were teenagers and like i said uh, zach hates it when i use him for a sermon illustration so I won't use him today. I'll just say both my boys, okay? So that way he doesn't get singled out. But when my boys became teenagers, they took on this thing where when you told them to do something, they would say, why do I have to do that? Anybody ever, any parents ever hear that from your kids? Why do I have to do that? Why, 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 why? Do you know what the common answer is? Because I said so. I'll touch on that later on. But, you know, I realized when my boys got to be teenagers, I realized that they had reached an age where there were certain things that had to be explained better than because I said so. It didn't work so well. And you know what? That, sometimes it causes rebellion. But, but here's the thing. I learned to tell my boys, and I don't even know if Zach remembers this, but Zach, this is good. You need to learn this because it'll be good for you down the road raising your children. <laughs> Not that I would use you for a sermon illustration or anything, but... But here's the thing. When Zach or Zane would look at me and say, well, why do I have to do that? If I couldn't explain it in great detail, you'll have to tell them, I mean, especially when you're setting boundaries for their lives, why, why, why? I would look at them and say, because I answer to God for how you're raised 
and I'm going to do my best. So when I stand before him, he'll say, good job. And if you choose your own direction that's different, that's on you. You have no idea how much pressure it takes off of a parent when you can say, I am doing my best to raise you the way God wants me to. And if you don't like it, you can deal with him later on. Amen? Amen. So, number one, we need to realize that our children are inherited from God. Number two, and i got to move quickly. Number two, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 12. Put it on the screen. We're going to read it. Here's what it says. Exodus 20, verse 12. I'll just tell you what it says. No, I, I think I'm just going to sit down here and wait. No, no we're going to move on. Exodus 20, verse 12. Here's what it says. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Believe me, it's in there. If you don't have your Bible, trust me. It's in there. Exodus 20, verse 12. But I, I want to I share some thoughts about this. Number two, I'm going to move as quickly as I can, but I need to drive this home. Number two, children need to be children. Parents need to be adults. That's deep. As we said back in the 60s, 70s, that's heavy. That's heavy. Children need to be children, but parents need to be the adults in the house. And, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is, children, you need to learn to honor your parents. And there's a promise that goes with it. If you will learn to honor your parents, your life will be long and blessed on the earth. Well, that makes honoring your parents something worth living for. Because it carries a promise. But I want you to notice the words. It's, as parents, we have a responsibility to raise our children to respect us. Okay? My child needs to learn to respect the parents. So it becomes my responsibility to teach my children to respect me. Now, why is this important? Here's why. Because a lot of us are stuck as parents because we want our children to like us. So we let them do whatever they want to do because we don't want them to be mad at us. Sometimes the best thing you can do is make your child mad at you by saying no. Because it is our responsibility to raise our children to respect us. And, you know, I, I was looking at this word this week. When it talks about honoring your parents, it's really the same root word from which we get the word glory, God's glory, God's aura, honoring God for who he is and what he is. It, it's a respect word. We respect God for who he is and what he is. Children need to learn to, expect, to respect their parents and honor their parents because of the position that they're in. And it becomes parents' responsibilities to teach their children how to do that. We need to teach our children respect. When parenting or with parenting comes the responsibility of being an adult so that the children can be molded into shaped into what God created them to be. Kids don't do a very good job of raising kids. If all you want your kid to be is your buddy and your best friend and your play pal, you're going to have problems down the road because that child is never going to learn to respect you. 
We got to teach them to respect. So I got grandparents saying amen out here. I got parents like, oh, come on, grandparents. I need your help this morning, okay? So let me just ask some questions. Who runs your house? Who makes your schedules? Who decides what you eat? You know, I've been in homes where kids do all that. Who decides what activities and entertainments are appropriate? Who decides what's purchased at the store? I was in a store a few days ago, and this kid, I mean, I I looked like probably a grandparent outside with the kid. This kid has thrown a fit, yelling and screaming and screaming and screaming. And and I was at Costco. I mean, I'm trying to eat my hot dog. And here, you know, (laughs) and I'm thinking, lady, take the kid around the corner. And I'll get to that other part later on. But take the kid around the corner away. I'm trying to eat my hot dog and drink my light lemonade, you know. I mean, I'm in, trying to enjoy Costco. And this kid's going crazy. And, you know, your first reaction is, that crazy kid, what's wrong with that kid? It's not the kid. It's the adult's problem. Thank you, but even if you didn't clap, I'd still say it. The kid doesn't have a problem. Whoever's raising the kid has a problem because they're not teaching the kid how to have respect. Who decides what's purchased at the store? The kid was screaming because they didn't get what they wanted in Costco. Well, there's a lot of stuff in Costco. I don't get when I go, but I don't pitch a fit over it. Well, one time I did, but my wife straightened me out pretty quick. Who, who decides what is best for your children? Do they decide for themselves or do you decide? See, children are responsible to be children, but adults are responsible to be adults. Just this week, it just so happened I was driving down the road running some errands and I had a radio station on, and it was on a talk station, and this radio host made this statement, and it really hit home because of what I'm sharing today. He said, our job as parents is to raise adults, not children. It's amazing how many kids get to be 18, 19 years of age, and they're still children. It's amazing, and I, and I, know, I know it's just part of society today, but it's amazing how many 30-year-old boys are sitting at home playing video games who won't work because they never had to become adults. It took me a while to get mine out of the house, too. Number three. How many are ready to go to the next point? Number three, I got to move quick. Number three, children need a home where they can grow. Children need a home where they can grow. Robert, this is good, isn't it? I think he's, he's Robert. There he is. This is good, isn't it? That's right. Don't mess with me. I'll get Robert after you, okay? Children need a home where they can grow. And, and I want to share couple things real quickly about the atmosphere of a home i could do a whole message on this but first of all a home needs to be a safe atmosphere parents it's our responsibility to provide safety for our children home needs to be a safe place a place where our children are protected when our society today there are bad people on every street corner waiting to prey on helpless children. 
Now, I know it's not quite that bad, but you understand what I'm saying. They use the Internet. They'll use phones. They'll use anything they can to lure children away from safe places. Mom, dad, grandpas, grandmas, we need to do everything we can to make sure our children learn how to be safe as they grow up. We need to protect them and then teach them how to stay safe and be safe. You know, we don't even think about this. Did you know human trafficking goes on here in Southern California? A lot of you don't even know. Well, not here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Happens all the time. We've heard stories of it the last two or three years through women's ministry, some things they've been involved in. It happens all around us. And one of the reasons we fall prey to it is because we don't keep a safe atmosphere and teach our children how to be safe. I want to ask you a question. Are your children safe? Are you keeping them safe? Do you know what's going into their hearts and their minds? Do you know what they're being influenced with? Are your children safe? The second thing is not just a safe atmosphere. Homes need to be a warm atmosphere. Where children are nurtured to health. Where children can be nurtured to health. Physically, your home needs to be a healthy place. Spiritually, your home needs to be a healthy place. Emotionally, your home needs to be a healthy place. Every area of life, physical, spiritual, material, mental, domestic, everything about a home needs to be healthy to promote a child's health and a child's growth. Now, I don't need to say much about this today because right now the Holy Spirit's touching hearts. If something's not right at home, you know it. Moms, dads, if there are issues in the marriage, don't put your children in the middle of it. Don't do it. Don't don't yell and scream and fight in front of your kids. You shouldn't be yelling and screaming and fighting anyway. I should have shared that when we did the week on marriage. I didn't get into that. <laughs> Don't be saying things about your wife in front of your kids. Don't get the kids out in the car and say bad things about your husband. Don't do that. That's not healthy. You know, we want the doctors to keep our kids healthy physically. We want the church to keep our kids healthy spiritually. We want the psychiatrist to keep our kid healthy mentally. If you do your job correctly at home, your kid's going to be in pretty good shape because what you can't do, God will do. But you have got to get on top of it and make sure home is going to be a healthy place. Healthy place. Are your children healthy? Every area of life, are your children healthy? While I'm here, are you providing correctly for your children? Years ago, I had a pastor friend who came to me and we were talking and I asked him how his, some of his family was doing. He said, oh, I'm so angry right now at my son-in-law. I said, really, what, what's going on? He said, my granddaughter needs glasses and he won't buy her glasses because he doesn't want to spend the money on it. Yeah, that's what I said. What? <laughs> Actually, what? It was a little higher than what I said it, but yeah, that's what I said. What? 
I thought, you got to be kidding me. Parents, are you keeping your children healthy? The last part here, we need to also make sure our homes are a growing atmosphere. A growing atmosphere. What does that mean? A place where that child, his giftings, his tendencies, the uniqueness, his interests, the things that really tweak him or her, a place where that child and their personal growth is also recognized, encouraged, and developed. See, some of you are thinking, man, if I'd heard this sermon before I had kids, I never would have had kids. <laughs> See, here's the thing. When you bring children into this world, they are the heritage, the inheritance of the Lord. It becomes our responsibility. We become their servants for the next 18 or 20 years until they become adults. Because that's our job. That's what we sign up for. And we need to really consider that one of the responsibilities of a parent is to raise a child to be what God created him or her to be. Don't try to mold your child in your image. Mold them in God's image. Let God bring those gifts to the surface. I pray that prayer every time we have child dedication. Lord, all the giftings, all the purpose you're putting in these children's lives, let the parents see it and let them help develop all of these gifts. And I pray that sincerely because that needs to be one of the goals of parents to raise children who are everything God created them to be. Yeah, I've told you the story about when I was a kid. My mom said, you got to be an engineer. So I spent most of my school years saying, I'm going to be an engineer until I got into engineering classes and I was horrible at it and I hated it. And I realized, you know, I got to find my own road. Create a growing atmosphere. Help those children find their gifts and their purpose and become what God created them to be. You know, if we need to make adjustments at home, God will help us with those adjustments. And then the number four, the last thing, children need boundaries. Children need boundaries. Proverbs 22, 6. Let's see if we get Proverbs 22. There we go. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is a great verse of Scripture, and I really think it has two meanings. Jewish rabbis who teach Old Testament law, they will tell you that what this verse means when it says, train up a child in the way he should go, what it means is the way he's bent, what his gifts are, the way he's been created by God. Train up that child to pursue his gifts and pursue his strengths and do the things God created him to be. And when he comes to adulthood, he will run in the correct direction to be what he was created to be. That's what they teach. But a lot of our Christian churches teach another part of this, which is train up a child spiritually in the way they should go. And when they become adults, they will go in that right pathway. Now, I think both translations are probably right. But I want to talk about this for a few moments. 
Children need boundaries. Children need boundaries. Children need to learn about God at home. We get your children just over an hour a week if you come every week. So for some of you, we get them three hours a month or two hours a month or an hour a month. I'm not putting you down, just, just share my heart in this. A lot of people say, well, it's the church's job to save my children. No, it's not. It's your responsibility to teach your children about God. We're here to reinforce that one hour a week, reinforce what you're teaching them at home. That's our responsibility. Reinforce what you're teaching at home. But it is the responsibility of parents to teach their children right and wrong. I said to you at the beginning of this message, in our society today, a lot of people no longer value truth whatsoever. Do you think the school is going to teach your children what is right and what is wrong? Have you been listening to what higher education is saying today? There are no absolute moralities. Nothing is absolute. In every situation, you determine for yourself what morality is. That's totally contrary to the Word of God. There are rights and there are wrongs. And if we're not teaching them at home, our children are going to be confused by other places that they go. Children need to learn about right and wrong, about morality at home from their parents. Children also need honest answers. I mentioned this earlier about raising my boys. As I embarrassed Zach so bad, he left the building. (laughs) He'll be back. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says this. And you fathers, how many, how many fathers do we have in the house? And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Don't anger your kids by saying, well, I said so. Rather, raise them in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Dads, it is not mom's job to teach your children about Jesus. It's your job. Dads, it's not mom's responsibility to teach your children to pray. It's your job. It's quiet in here. Oh, that's my wife's job. Oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. Children need to hear it from both of their parents. But let let me go a little farther with this. A lot of children get angry, get frustrated with their parents because they don't give them common sense answers. Your children deserve answers. And most of the answers to the questions that they're going to ask are found right here in God's Word. You need to be giving this to your children. But another part of boundaries is also the parent's responsibility to bring discipline and correction into the lives of their children. I want to read something to you. Hebrews chapter 12, several verses I'm going to read, but I want you to follow along as I read this. Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start reading at verse number 5 and go all the way through verse 11. So let's just read it together. This This is the writer of Hebrews telling us how God views discipline and correction. It says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons or children. My son, my child, do not despise 
the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Verse 6, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Verse 8, but if you're without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. You know, King James doesn't use the word illegitimate. It uses a word that we wouldn't use in church. Just saying. Next verse. Furthermore, we've had human fathers who corrected us. We paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. But he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. And finally, verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. I read a lot of verses here. There's several thoughts in here that I, I could teach, but I want to just bring it down to a couple things for time's sake. God does not correct us and discipline us to hurt us. God doesn't do that. God doesn't try to punish us to put pain in our lives. God doesn't do that. Some of you have been taught wrong about that. God corrects us, disciplines us, chastens us, as the word there is used, to get off, off of a wrong path back onto a right path because there's blessing. It works to our benefit when we get on God's path. That's how God operates. God wants us as parents to learn how to raise our children in the same way, to bring correction to them. Dads, notice here it talks about fathers. Dads, moms together, working together. It's not one's job or the other. Moms and dads together need to be working to bring correction and discipline into their children's lives. And you know what? Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you don't like what you have to do. Sometimes you don't want to say no. Sometimes you don't want to take the steps you have to take to correct your child. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to deal with this. I want to let it go. Just lock them in their room. That does them no good whatsoever. It's part of being a parent to bring correction and discipline into the lives of your children. God corrects us for our good. We need to correct and discipline our children for their good, not just for the moment, but for their entire lives. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says this. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Can anybody, I ought to get at least one amen out of that one, okay? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it far from him. So Solomon said, Proverbs 23 says this, do not withhold correction from a child. Now I'm going to read to you what it says. I'm going to comment, so stay with me. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. (laughs) 
You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. There's a big difference between correction and abuse. Big difference. When I was a kid, there was a comedian, Nipsey Russell. How many of you remember Nipsey Russell? You have to be old to remember Nipsey Russell because I was a kid when he was old. <laughs> You're probably a grandparent. I heard Nipsey Russell one time share this poem. He says, for all of you who babysit, you think children are a nuisance, but please don't spank them on the face because nature has provided a better place. I heard that as a child, and I've remembered it. You know why I remember it? Because that's where I got it. <laughs> if you beat your children and put marks on them and bruise them and hurt them physically, you are wrong. You are absolutely wrong. But if you don't correct your children, you are just as wrong. Well, I, I was talking to a guy the other day. How many remember doc, Dr. Spock? Not Mr. Spock, Dr. Spock. Dr. Spock was a child psychiatrist who taught us back in the 60s and 70s you should never spank a child. Did you know when he got to the end of his life, he said, I was absolutely wrong about all that stuff I taught? Because he saw what it produced in the next generation. It's kind of like Darwin. Darwin came up with the theory, theory of evolution. Did you know when Darwin got to the end of his life, he forsook it all and said, I was wrong about all that stuff? Did you know that? You never hear that taught, but it's true. Here's my point. You need to find ways of correcting your children. You don't want to violate the principles of correction. You do not ever want to abuse your child. But you need to, and different children respond to different things. I never had to harshly discipline my boys. Zach would probably say different, but he's not preaching today. <laughs> never bruised him, never put marks on him. But I busted his bottom with a paddle a couple times because he needed it. And look how good he turned out. Isn't that a, I mean, look at that. I didn't have to paddle Zane much. Because I could just raise my voice at Zane and he'd start crying. Probably should have paddled him more now that I look back on it. <laughs> I'm kidding. He'll hear about this all the way in Washington and I'll, I'll get a text today. I'm almost finished. Stay with me, okay? When I corrected my boys, I learned to separate them. Because each boy responded to different things. And I figured out how to correct them and get them on the right path. Once you figure it out as a parent, it's not hard. But here's the question I have for you today. What is your rod of correction with your children? Are you correcting them? Are you disciplining them? It's a part of our responsibilities. God corrects us for our good. He wants us to correct and discipline our children for their good. Not to hurt them, to get them on the right path. If they learn it when they're young, they will stay on it when they're old. That's what Scripture teaches. If you teach it to them when they're young. Now, I know, I'm, and I'm closing right now, okay? So I'm down to the end of my message. Some of you say, you know what? I've done my best to raise my children, and my children aren't serving God today. What can I do? 
tell you what you do, you pray. Because some kids have got to run down the road, go the wrong direction, and figure it out for themselves. Some of them make bad decisions. Some of them, it takes them longer to come home. But if you've raised them correctly, you keep praying and asking God to protect them and deal with their hearts. Because one of these days, when you least expect it, those kids are coming home. They are. They are. When my boys were just out of high school, they went through some times of searching. There was some rebellion probably, but there were times of searching and figuring it out for themselves. I spent a lot of nights, and I spent a lot of nights in the middle of the night crying out to God, asking God to protect them, deal with their hearts and bring them home. And one day I was praying, I said, God, I don't, know, I don't know how to deal with these boys right now because they're not at the place where they need to be. I know they're searching, they're trying to figure out a lot of stuff. God, what can I do? And you know what God spoke to me and said? He said, you love them the way I love you. To help them through this season. That's how much God loves us. That's how much God loves you. Friend, I don't care who you are or what you are. No matter what's in your past, no matter what's behind you, it doesn't matter. God's intentions are not to destroy you. God's intentions are to bless you. And he just needs an opportunity to get involved in your life. That's the nature of God. And he wants us to share that nature with our children because it points them to God. This morning, maybe you've never started a relationship with God or maybe... Maybe you prayed a prayer a long time ago, but you've been the prodigal and you've run down the wrong road. And, but maybe today you're realizing it's time to come home. I want to pray a prayer with you and give you an opportunity to open your heart, begin a relationship with God. The way we do it is just simple words, simple prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to give you words one line at a time, and I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. I'm going to ask you to pray it right out loud. You don't have to scream it. But I'm going to ask you to pray it right out loud. Even if it's not for yourself, pray it because others around you, it'll help them as we pray this morning. But I'm going to ask everybody here, bow your heads, close your eyes. Friend, God loves you so much. He put his own son on the cross to pay for your sins, to bring you into the family with him. But he needs you to accept that sacrifice. So we're going to do that with a prayer right now, with our words. Everybody in the house, let's pray this prayer. Say, God, I need you. And I want you in my life. So I open my heart to you. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Full payment for all my sins. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. To get involved in every area of my life. To teach me your ways so I can follow you. So from this day forward, I want to be your child. I ask you to be my father. Teach me your ways so I can follow you and have your blessing in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning and you meant it from your heart, God heard every word of it. He'll begin to start working in your life to teach you his ways. But that's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. It's the beginning of the relationship. 
We want to help you build that relationship. We've got a little tool called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week to help you start the relationship with God. You'll learn so much in this little booklet about God's plans for your life, about what He wants to do and who He wants to be in your life. We want to give it to you. When service is completed in just a couple of minutes, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. You can just walk down to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you. Any person, any need, they're here for you. If you're in a really big rush today, you can go out to the lobby, and just as you exit the glass doors right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. It's got a big screen. It talks about beginning your relationship with God, starting that walk. You can stop there and get the same booklet there. Just ask for it. They'll give it to you. No strings attached. We simply want to help you get started walking with God. Can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family today? God bless you.